there is a, a great power that God intended for his corporate people. And uh, Paul, one of the consistent apostolic teachings that you'll see in the epistles is he'll use this phrase, many members, one body, many members, one body. And so uh, the representation of Jesus Christ in the nations of the earth was always supposed to come through a corporate people. And as individuals, and we, we can identify with that because one of the characteristics of American culture is it has this individualistic uh, focus, which not is all bad, but it's not all good either. But also, the, but the culture of Scripture is, is not individualistic. The culture of Scripture was Hebraic, and meaning this, that uh, the Hebrew would, would identify that if someone uh, was hurting or injured, it would be like everyone else was hurting or injured. One of the reasons that they taught them to, uh, for, for generations afterwards to talk about the exodus from Egypt, it was because they wanted the children to identify with the reality that God had taken them, even though they lived hundreds of years later, he wanted them to remember that they too had been taken out of bondage and into covenant promise. Because to forget something that God did would be to diminish your understanding of who God is. That's why the testimony is so powerful. And so that, that, that is for someone here today. When you forget what God has done, it's difficult to live present. The challenge that you're facing often is, uh, uh, is not, God doesn't intend it, but he, he often will give you a testimony that, uh, that causes you to remember, oh, yeah, God did this, so he's going to do this. Amen. He's a God who intervenes. He's a God who takes care of these things. And so... God actually holds you responsible for the things that he's done to shape the way you think about him. Uh, one of the, 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 and we see it when he tells them it's time to go into the promised land. He actually holds it against those who did not enter that they saw his miraculous power yet did not change the way they thought. Because it's supposed to, it's actually one of the ways you learn is by visible experiences with seeing God do certain things. So we'll go back to this high point here. Uh, the goal of God for every person in this room, uh, even born again or unborn again, but the goal of God is for you to be like Jesus. Amen. The goal of God is for you to be like Jesus. The goal of God is not to get you to heaven. The goal actually to be truthful too of the body of Christ is not just to win souls. Just natural. That's, like, that's, like, uh, that's like saying the goal of a house is to build a foundation. You need the foundation, but the goal is not the foundation. The goal is the house. He actually cares about what's happening in the world. This is not a disconnected God. He just doesn't get them saved and let them get beat up like abused children for 50 years of their life or 80 years or 120 or however they're supposed to live and then get them to have. If, if you, as a, one of the signs of immaturity is you make choices just based on, can I get to heaven and still do this? John wrote in his epistle, Right. John wrote in his epistle, he said, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome, meaning saying, I love the Lord so much and my desire is to be like him. Whatever he asked me to do, it's not that big of a deal. But here, here, here's the here's the really important part. This is really because God's been lied upon. 
People are, it's just really tough on the Lord, you know, I just see all these rules. Like, stop that. That's propaganda. You know what's really hard? Listen to me, Linda. What's really hard is to know a little bit about God, but still try and live by yourself. To despise, to go, I don't want to do that. You know, like, that's real American thinking. You just think you could choose things that God wants. It's really hard. It's even harder to live in this world without God. Like, it's challenging enough. But it's even more challenging when you know a little about about God, but still want to live in hell. (laughs) So that's what's really hard. True freedom, like, the only deliverance from this world is to be all in for God. That's the real, you never really get delivered of this world unless you consistently make that choice to go all in. So, uh, that's right. That is right. (laughs) But uh, let's look at uh, uh, Luke, the the fourth chapter. Excuse me, Luke chapter six was in the wrong place. Want to read this? This articulates this point. Well, we'll start in verse 39. Jesus gave the following illustration. Now, this one statement from Jesus can help us all out. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? It also tells you the, the, the importance he puts on relationships and I, he's not emphasizing it there, but I will emphasize it in this because it's found in the whole of Scripture. He's telling you that part of uh, where you're going, you need other people to take you. So it's really important where you're connected in at, at a local body. So, so can the blind person lead another, lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teachers, but the student who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So he's saying, my goal for you is to be like me. And then Ephesians 5 verse 1, we won't read it. But uh, Paul, and I always say that when God makes a statement in Scripture, he's not American. He's not giving a suggestion. He's not like, hey, if you, like, you want to do this, like, you know. You can, you know, he's, this is a command. He said, therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God. And so in, in, this, in this setting, in, in the setting of the body of Christ, the local body of Christ, the beautiful thing about this is that we are all supposed to be like coming like each other because we're all supposed to be coming like Jesus. Yeah. Yet, we're all uniquely different. I don't know if you notice it, so you can kind of see different, different skin colors and stuff. But it's, it's way beyond that. We've been, we like certain things. We are drawn to certain things. We have different assignments here on the earth. We have different functions of what God has called us to do. We have different functions of even what God has called us to do, even when we come together. So it is a, 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 a corporate body, and, and, and Paul puts it this way. He, he uses, of course, that, that great analogy, if you've been around the body of Christ any sort of time, he uses the analogy of, of actually a physical body. He's saying just because you don't see this part or this because they're all important parts working together for the purposes of the Lord. So God has called us together here in a room. Now, what, what constitutes a local church? What, constitu- what, call, what, what does God align with the local church? What makes it part of a church? Not because it's got the name on it. That doesn't make it a church. 
or even a building. A local church, and you have this here, is when God speaks to men and women. God divinely calls men and women to lead the body. You can't call yourself. And, and he calls them into a, a place, I call it a territory or a region. And he calls them to birth something that is part of the global church. And that is what qualifies. They could meet in a beautiful building like this. They could meet, they could meet in a living room, wherever it may be. I've been, a, you know, preached under a tree, out in a field, you know, beautiful, most beautiful buildings. That's what constitutes a body. Now, here's another American thing, and I'm sorry, you know, you might interpret this a certain way. If you've been hurt, if you've been hurt by leaders, I'm really sorry. If, you, if you've walked through things inside the body of Christ that didn't represent Jesus, I'm sorry. But it still doesn't take away the truth and the strength that God invests in the local body. Very American concept is that people in the congregation think they should tell the pastor what to do. <laughs> But it's also the job of leadership to create a family environment. Apostles, one of the things you see that should come out of apostles, like a father. That's, that's part of what, a, 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 you know, a grace you'll usually see an apostle. But here's the other part of that. The reason I say that is because in my family, I live, I have a, you know, fairly healthy family. I'll say like that. People are like, my family's dysfunction. We all got dysfunction. <laughs> Just as are we going in the right direction? But at least in my family, I have never, ever told my father what to do. Come on. Amen. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you should never ask a question. To you. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying these things don't necessarily function culturally like we think they should function. And so uh, I don't know how I got on that, but that, that made me feel better. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're supposed to be this corporate people gathered around and you should ask yourself why do I actually if, if, if you if you are a regular part or you consider yourself a member here you should ask yourself why am I here why am I coming here why do I come here you know <laughs> commitment is not once every three weeks let me just help you with that you know <laughs> the people I know committed to the gym are not there once every three weeks so uh, so we want to encourage you <laughs> If you're missing that commitment and you consider yourself a part here to become a regular part of this. Now, I'm not saying, you know, sometimes work doesn't come up. But here, here's the thing. When you come into the kingdom of God, you want to make decisions based upon putting God first. Now, American normally, not you, the person not here. So <laughs> <laughs> they're working for a company and it's quote unquote, their dream job. I hope you have a great, I hope, I hope what you do, you really enjoy because you're doing it all day. I hope that you're not an American and work for money. You could start working for money because maybe you got born again, you were doing that, but you should work from purpose. Purpose will always bring you all the money you ever need. But often what happens is sometimes like, oh, our company's moving us here, moving it there. So we have to move. I say find the place you're supposed to be connected to, and then God will bring the job to the region that you're in. So when people, it gets quiet with that one, it's like, it's really radical. No, no, this is normal. The problem is we've, we, we have, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone. So you want to make decisions, and I know you might not be there. You might have just gotten born again three weeks ago, or this is, you've never heard anything like this. But you want to make decisions according to seeking first the kingdom of God. Find the place you're supposed to be. So when people tell me, there's no good churches in my city, first thing I ask them is, do you belong in that city? 
Second thing is, if there's no, then if you do, then there's something wrong with you, not the churches. Come on. Amen. <laughs> so he gets quiet. That. <laughs> now you have a very unique expression of what God is doing. So I wasn't planning. This is not in my notes. So, <laughs> so you want to make decisions according to that. So you, you, and these are all, all wonderful things. Like, it, yes, yes, if, if you get an, a job offer and they're going to offer you, what, $150,000 more to move there, the, what you notice is circumstances in life identify things in your heart, and they also give you the opportunity to bring it before the Lord. You're like, oh, it'd be really nice to have a, another $100,000. And God's like, yeah, because you, you like money. So now I'm going to test you with that area. But if you put me first, I'll give you more money than you ever could dreamed of. But now this is a test for you. Are you trying to take care of your family yourself, or are you going to trust me to take care of your family? See, all these wonderful things that come up when you walk with the Lord. And sometimes we just think all these things are disconnected to the will and the purpose of God, but they're all functioning together in the will and the life of God. That's my introduction. <laughs> but the second thing is, is as we gather here, we should all be growing to be the, 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 per, the, the reason instruction comes, the reason worship is, is we're supposed to be this corporate people that together are representing Jesus that is visible. And it is, it is, a, is a culture, a community, in a sense, of the people of God that as we represent God, it becomes an identifying uh, different uh, representation of God and it causes people to recognize those people are unique and peculiar and they, even though I, I'm going to be, I'm forced when I'm around these people to decide if I'm going to serve the God that they serve because there's definitely something different about those people. This is how Jesus put it in Matthew, the fifth chapter. Hope you brought your Bibles today. Verse 13, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is a salt if it's lost its favor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. That's interesting. Jesus was a whole lot more plain than a lot of times we may. I think he had a little New Jersey in him. But this is the part that really strikes me. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Notice he says, I am the light of the world. Then he turns it around and he says, you are the light of the world. What's he saying? He's saying you're supposed to represent me. Whether you realize it or not, the moment you got born again, one of God's overriding passions for your life is that you would give a visible expression of what God looked like. I know. That's really impossible. I know. Welcome to walking with God. Everything he asks you to do is impossible without him. Like a city. Notice how he says this, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. It's not necessarily a physical city, but it's a group of people who are uniquely different, who actually every person has this assignment. So we should all be uniquely different 
in a sense of what God has called us to do and also what every person in this room has a purpose. You will be judged not even for coming to church. You'll be judged not for how much money you gave. You'll be judged not for greeting or serving. You will be judged for fulfilling your purpose on the earth. And the beautiful thing about God is everything, I'll say it like this, he asks you to do, he's given you the power to do. He, 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 God does not require anything of you that he first has not empowered you to do. It's a beautiful system. He's like, you need faith to please him. So he, so he goes, I'll give you my faith. And then you're, you, you still have a choice in it. We'll touch in a minute. You still have a choice in it, but it becomes so brilliant, you'll be like Jesus. And you'll say, it's not me who does the work, but the Father in me. That's true life in God. Well, you can't, you can't uh, give credit for any brilliant thing you've done because it's so far beyond what you know to be possible, but you're choosing to do it and you put God on display. You're, you're, the reason it's so important, too, to discover purpose is because your purpose is to be, you're, when you're operating in purpose, whether it's a, a school teacher or a, a, an entrepreneur or a, a, whatever it may be, working at Starbucks, it, it is, you can do it as unto the Lord, and it actually gives service to the, the world. I met this man uh, uh, about a year and a half ago was at this uh, National Religious Broadcasters convention I was doing interviews for my, my book and um, I, I loved what he said to me he, he's a very brilliant man I believe and uh, I believe he actually did very well uh, financially and uh, he, I, I said well what's your book about and he said oh I've been in human resources like 20 years I said oh interesting and he goes I wanted to know I knew God had called me to uh, human resources I love God with all my heart I thought maybe I was called to ministry but I was called to human resources and he goes, I looked for books that would teach me about how to do human resources God's way. And he goes, I read the Maxwell books. I read this book. And then, then he said this to me. This is brilliant. He goes, then I realized no one else was going to write the book. And it was my responsibility to write the book. I love that. He's got this book on how to be a human resource director like Jesus. The problem here is, the challenge here is, and I'm believing God for it to change among God's people is that, and there's nothing wrong, obviously, to, to operate in certain places. You need certain degrees. I, I go, Lord Jesus, I, I got a lot of degrees. Uh, but uh, we get trained by the world and then have the lens. There's nothing wrong with degrees and different things. I got three. But we get trained by the world, and then we have the world's lens, and then we're trying to add Jesus to the world's lens. What we're supposed to be is originators. That if you're a businessman, like Pastor Chad, an entrepreneur, that God begins to teach you how to do it. And there's nothing wrong with getting trained in Harvard. Nothing wrong with those things. But it's always with the foundation of the Word of God and the voice of God. And we look at things through a different set of lenses, a different set of eyes that we look at things. And when we look at it through those eyes, maybe someone else, because we're supposed to be a community looking like Jesus, you have another young man in the community who goes, hey, 
I feel called to be an entrepreneur. Like, okay, you go talk to Chad and maybe spend some time with him. And he's going to begin to help you along those lines. Or Dr. John. Dr. John, you got a little experience bringing God into the marketplace. I'm sure you've not made any mistakes. And uh, No, we say that because then you can you go, you know, I did this a little wrong, but I can tell you how to do this right here in this area. So it doesn't take you eight years, you know, after you, you start your practice and bring God into it and want to pray for people. You know, all this stuff. But you're, you're, the reason discovering your purpose is so important, first of all, you'll never be bored. I'm not bored. Thankfully, I've never pretty much worked a, 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 a job that I dislike most of my adult life. People, you know, people ask, don't you ever get bored, get on plays? I never. I never said, oh, my gosh. I said, what a privilege. I can't believe I get to do this. And, they, and God, you pay me well to do it. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. So got quiet with that one. But um, <laughs> no one puts a light. A lights on a lamp then puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds notice he's saying that your 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 life exactly what i was talking about your life is to put god on display let your good deeds shine out of all for all to see so that everyone listen to what he's saying that everyone will praise your Father, your Heavenly Father. Why would they praise your Heavenly Father? Because they see goodness. They see results. They see excellence. I was reading Daniel 6 yesterday, and it struck me again. He's, he's so brilliant at his job. He's in demand to an evil man. Yep. Yep. Potiphar, same thing with Joseph. Potiphar is not a Holy Ghost man. Come on. He's, not, he's not a seer. But the Bible says in Genesis 39, he saw, he saw the blessing of the Lord on Joseph. Can people see the blessing of the Lord on you? And then uh, 2 Corinthians, Lord Jesus, help me. This, my, this was supposed to be a five-minute introduction. 2 Corinthians 2. Corinthians chapter 2. Actually, I want to read this. Out of, I had a living, new living chapter. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. I love how Brian Simmons puts this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed God. Some translations say he always causes us to triumph. A perfume of life to those who are being saved and an odor of death to those who are being perished. I think he throws that in there because uh, he wants to let us know you can be the most loving, kind person and be brilliant, but people still hate you because you love Jesus. We're seeing that in, in mass in America today. Don't be hateful. Like, no, I just don't agree with you. I don't hate you. You hate yourself. So. <laughs> so he says, God puts us on display through the knowledge of God coming through us. So one of the marks 
that we're supposed to have as a, as a people is that our lives actually give fruit and invite people in to know who God is. I love uh, uh, Jesus' exchange with, uh, with Philip. Philip goes, show us the Father. He goes, have I been with you that long? You don't see the Father? He says this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's saying, if you've seen my life, you've seen what God looks like. So there's these, uh, I call them, uh, this is where I felt like we were going to really dial in today. We'll just see how much we get into this. But there are, there are fundamental uh, characteristics for all human beings that you have to have functioning in your life to be as God intends you to be, and even more importantly, to walk like Jesus on the earth. And I want to look at these here in uh, Genesis 1. And I also want you to see, and I want you to see it through this lens. Uh, in Genesis, you will find characteristics that God gives to all human beings, that they, that they need to function. We know that Adam failed to live correctly. Adam failed to live correctly, which also tells you something about the nature of God. When you fail to live correctly as God intends you to live, or you fail in an assignment that God has called you to live, you will leave it to the next generation to have to do. Your life is not an individual pursuit. Your life was supposed to actually impact generations to come. As brilliant as David was, and yes, he finished well, he served the purposes of God. He still left because of the choice he made with Bathsheba. He still left sexual immorality in his bloodline. And because he murdered, murdered was part of his family lineage. So realize the high price that you have. Does, does God forgive you? Absolutely. Is God there? On your day, your worst mistake. He's, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. But the, but the worst position you can do, you, the, the, if you're even thinking about, well, you know, I can do it, then God will forgive me. Oh, God, he's already got you. That's right. Realize that your sin is not isolated. It will affect your children's children. So Genesis 1, we'll, we'll, we'll look at this. Genesis chapter 1. Let's start in verse 26. Everybody still with me? He gave me to no time. So uh, like I said, if you're done before I am, just God bless you. Thank you for coming. It's a new day. We'll be back Wednesday night for discipleship. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow night for prayer. Exactly. Yeah. Then God said, let us make man in our image to be like us. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over every creature that creeps along the ground and over the wild animals. Uh, two things I want to I note to you that he says, let them, uh, at least here, then we'll look at some other things. Let them reign. Uh, you see that God gives people made in his image governing authority. So God has created us as a corporate people to govern the world we live in with the purposes of God. That's what that city looks like. It's not just one or two. Yes, one or two are every, be everything God's called you to be. But it's always part of a larger picture and a larger body that is supposed to contribute. So good questions you should ask yourself. If you come here regularly or once every three weeks and think you're committed, are you a contributor? 
And are you a person who thinks with taking dominion? And you'll also see that, uh, we'll look at this in a minute. I, was, I didn't finish this thought. Every, every place that Adam failed, you'll see that Jesus picks up. Jesus is the first man since Adam to express God's original intent. What I mean by that is everything in the life of Jesus, fully God, fully man, express, he never stops being God. He expresses divinity through humanity. So the things he does on the earth, pre-cross, pre he's doing as a, as a man in right relationship with God, even though he never stopped being God. So what do you do? You, as a believer, Christ in you, are to express divinity through your weak humanity. Let them reign over, over the birds of the, the, the sea, uh, over the creatures creep, uh, that creep along the ground and over the wild animals. So God created man and, and women and shaped them with his own image on the inside of him. In his own, you'll, you'll see just reading these verses. I don't want to get into it because there's other things we have to focus on. This is why the enemy has this agenda right now. Because it is the foundation of societies, of families that govern societies and healthy people. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them in his love, saying, Reproduce and be fruitful. Populate the earth and subdue it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every creature that lives on the earth. And God said, I've, I give you every seed-bearing plant growing throughout the earth, vegetables and every fruit-bearing tree with its seed within itself. This will be your food. I'm spitting now. I told you, I, I'm a Pentecostal this morning. They will be food. They will also be food for every animal and bird and every creature that moves and every ground and every creature with breath of life. And so it happened. And God surveyed all that he made and said, I love it. For it pleased him greatly. Evening came way to the morning in day six. We'll move through these characteristics. You'll see some fundamental characteristics here. The first thing you see is that we were created. The first people ever created were created to be in perfect right standing with God. There was never, ever meant to be any barrier between God and humanity. The moment that they were created, and Genesis 2, verse 25, there's a lot being said there, but it says, if you're from the south, it says they were naked. If you're from the north, you said naked. What, what is it expressing? That's no, true. It's absolutely true. Naked. They're naked. <laughs> so what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm from the north. We call it naked. You know, but... Some people think, and it, we don't find it expressly in the scripture, that there was such a glory, a weight of God's presence, that they actually couldn't eat, see, see each other. Other people, there's a whole, I don't understand all, I just know is this, that that verse represents something to me, that when they stood before God, they stood with no shame, no guilt, and going, I'm part of your family. Amen. You also see something else in Genesis 1.26. In, in 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us. Part of, I believe, what's happening here, again, it's not expressly found in the Scripture, but I absolutely believe this is true. He's got his created beings, angels. By the way, they have free choice too. The devil was one of the most beautiful created beings ever. But what does it say? Iniquity was found in him. So he had a choice. And uh, he, I believe they're all watching they're all watching because that unseen realm was just, as, was just as real to them as the seen realm. That's why the unseen controls the seen. 
Your unseen spirit is controlling your life. So he looks at them and he, they're not part of creation, but the Godhead is there and he's going, I'm going to, because you guys are part of my family, I'm going to create a family to live on the earth called human beings. And so I'm creating a family here on the earth. So we were created to live in a family. That's why Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says that a friend sticks closer, what, than a brother. What's he telling us? He goes, sometimes I'm going to give you friends that are actually better than your own family because you'll need friends in the earth. We read it, 131. What does he say? We were created to be in right standing with God. You were created to stand before God with no shame, no guilt, perfectly whole, and be able to communicate with God and not just communicate with God, not just know, yeah, I'm in right standing with God, but the ability to connect deeply with God. And the connection between God and man was not an intellectual connection. He created their intellect, but it was to be governed by revelation. Second thing you'll see is man was created to be loved by God, not just loved by God, but to experience his love. It said there, Passion reads, he liked what he made. What was Jesus? Completely righteous before his father. The perfect son of God and son of man. God actually gives us insight. He's baptized. He comes out. And what does he do? As the son of man receives the affections of his father. You are in need. Like, I don't need all that stuff. This, this, you need deliverance. Every person needs to know on a deep level the consistent love of God. Not as an idea but as a living, breathing experience. If that is not part of your current life, then you are missing something that is supposed to be essential in your life. Encouragement, love, edification. No, yeah, you really messed up. I go, and I still love you. Yeah, you, I, keep, you know, I keep talking the same fool. I know, I still love you. I keep, you know, I keep the same mistake over again. I still love you. The perfect one had to know affirmation. Why do you think people like prophecy, personal prophecy anyway? Because hopefully if it's done correctly, it's encouragement. It's edification. It calls them higher, even if it's a, 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 you know, an adjustment. Why? It should call them. It, it tells them the brilliance by which God thinks about them. Every person was created to lead, receive love and affirmation. Back to Genesis 1, you said, he says, let us make man in our image. So you were created to be made in the image of God. Image, likeness, pattern, resemblance. What the image of God does in you puts Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It puts eternity within you. So every person in this room, there is a deep longing to know God and eternal purpose. Yeah, amen. And there's also, I want to suggest to you, there's also a deep longing to know Psalm 139, where it says, it says his thoughts towards you are like the sand of a seashore. You are born with this innate thing to go, what am I created for and what does he think about me? Back to Jesus. 
Paul writes that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He represented God. What was, he, what was God teaching us there? I'm restoring the distorted image that Adam made humanity. Back to this thought. Makes man in his own image. He calls him to be fruitful, to multiply. Adam was created to be God's representative. So his children were supposed to see God in Adam and Eve. Your understanding of God is a direct reflection of how your parents raised you. Now, people are like, I, Jesus set me free from all that crazy stuff. <laughs> but you have to recognize your understanding of God, the world, has been influenced. Because what we'll see in a minute is everyone here was created. The psychological term is this, to learn. You have come to learn things and acclimate things because you were created to learn from God himself. You were created to grow by God himself. You were created to, we'll see in a minute how you're created to learn. But one of the ways you've learned is through your upbringing. So what did Jesus model when he comes as the Son of Man? How, how does he refer to the Godhead, Father? He said, I came to restore you to the Father. So he's telling us, he's like, if that relationship was messed up or distorted in any way, part of your growth to become like me is I need to, you to rethink some things, relearn some things, yeah. heal some things. Yeah. Because here's some, a truth, a million-dollar truth, one of the many million-dollar truths. They're more than, they're like a billion-dollar truths. You, if you're born again, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, you are royalty. Amen. However, it will be you who chooses if you live like royalty. First thing that they do on their first day on the earth is what? We talked about here just, uh, we, I touched on a little bit during communion. Day six, they're created. Day seven, you imagine that? Adam and Eve, you're in charge to rule over all the earth. What do I do, God? Take the day off. You're created to live from a place of rest. Amen. Shalom. Hallelujah. Shalom can include inactivity and you should rest. But shalom is a way of living. It's a way I had to learn how to train myself many years ago. All the... Sometimes I get on planes, I'm not sure where I'm going. So it's like, okay, cast all your burden on him. You were never created to fear, to worry, to doubt. So shalom. You were also created a three-part being, like God. The heart is the center of all things. I want to suggest to you that your body is not bad. 
not your dumb flesh. It's your dumb thinking. <laughs> you're not in war with yourself if you're born again. You're just relearning to be delivered of mental illness. So we are created to be in right standing with God. You're created to be loved. What's one of the ways that you have trouble experiencing love? That your emotions are shut down because your emotions were created by God. It's not, it's not a dispersion thing on you. It's, just, it's probably just identifying some trauma that you need healing from. You're created to be loved. You're created in the image of God. You're created also in the image of your parents. You're created to live from a place of rest. Now, all these things were not anything that could ever be earned. They were given by virtue of how they were created. So how were you supposed to receive them? By faith. So here's a good way to start. That's where you start. There's a whole lot of more layers to it. Lord, I thank you that I'm in right standing with you today. Thank you that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you that I stand. Now, you can't do this anymore, but spiritually, you know, I'm naked before you. Nothing's hidden. We got to practice that a little bit. Where we said, Lord, any area of our hearts is now yours. Amen. He knows in any way. Yep. So you're created to trust as foundational. Now that trust can get challenged too by lots of things. By our own experience. By trauma. By how we grew up. Because maybe you couldn't trust your parents. Or you trusted someone. And so you, you, you know sometimes the trauma we experience is actually the, 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 the agreements and the beliefs we make from that are actually natural. I'm not going to let anyone touch me like that. Nobody, I'm not going to let anyone get close to me like that. Or two, this is a big one for the enemy. We see examples of people we definitely know we don't want to be like. So we're American and go, I'll never be like that person. The trouble with that is you have a judgment. And now it's likely you're going to be even worse than that person. Because the measure which you judge someone else will come right back on you. So you created trust for all these things. You're also created to worship. What's worship? Basically living correctly with God. It's not a song. It includes a song. But it's he puts him in the garden. The word used there is the same word you use for worshiping the Lord. One of the same words. Work is worship unto God. So all these things were given. And we were supposed to receive them by faith. And then we were also created to learn. And I'm getting somewhere with this and I'll land the plane. How were, Tim, how were we supposed to learn? Through our fellowship with God, through our relationship with God, we were supposed to receive knowledge. Also, the world was also supposed to teach us about God. That's no, absolutely true. Paul writes the invisible attributes of God. 
That's what, he, what he's saying is creation actually displays part of God. We are created to discover things in creation, not worship it. You see, everything the enemy does is to distort. We shouldn't destroy the environment. Absolutely true. But we don't worship the environment. That's crazy world. So we're supposed to look out. Not only we're to experience God, but you look at the world, you're like, this is amazing. How look how big look, look at God. I mean, I went to the Grand Canyon years ago, and I thought, this looks like a painting. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life. I like architecture. I love, I, I love seeing certain buildings. I said, this is stunning. And think about it, none of these, most of these things that we see were not created before we got, they were discovered by people, just made in the image of the Lord, not even born again. So his invisible attributes, what are clearly seen. So how are we supposed to learn? Hearing the voice of God. Notice too, Adam, as, as much as we know, which we do know, we can know by the word, he, he has never been in charge of anything. The reason I'm saying that is often people like, you know, like, like the Lord's really challenged me to do something I've never done. I said, I know. You're probably walking correctly with it. If you're a believer, think about it. You're a believer. Believer. If you're a believer in this room and you can figure out your life, you know, like, I'll do some things, you know, put some money away, you know, eventually I'll retire. I'll be nice. Get a little more involved in the church. If you're thinking like that, what do you need God for except to go to heaven? Come on. Our life, not talking about certain natural things, not saying that, but our life, there should be things as believers that we're so challenged that we know without God bringing it to pass, without us walking daily with him and trying to obey what we know in that moment, without that supernatural intervention, without faith, it would never come to pass except that I know this is what God said. The world is in need of people who believe him for impossible things. Part of it, and you can be aware of this, part of it is... Unfortunately, sometimes unbelievers have bigger dreams than believers. I'm not saying dream of anything, but they, they, you know, Elon Musk to me is a great example. He's got his own challenges, you know. Anyway, he likes the Communist Party too in China. But uh, people are complex. But I listen to him talk and I say, that's what believers should think like. He's driving in L.A. one day and he goes, man, we should put tunnels under this city so we can go fast. He's thinking of these things, impossible things. People are like, oh, it's not possible. Oh, everything's possible with God. Everything is possible that God told you is possible. So expand your thinking. He holds the universe in the span of his hand. He can pay your light bill. So there's fundamental things. It's fundamental things, too. You think that's why he fights the fundamental things? Fundamental thing is that he wants you to walk in victory. Usually, we, you, I, I thank God for many years, brother, many years ago, Brother Copeland teaching me, you should fight sickness like you fight sin. That's good. 
You got to see it so is opposite of what the Lord made you to be. And Jesus modeled this. Jesus never got tired. Excuse me, never. He did get tired because he was physical, but he never, he, he was able to walk miles. He was in shape to walk to. There's no airplanes back then. He never lived depressed, never felt overwhelmed. What, what was he? His body was in shape, never got sick. What's he the example? He's the example of a whole person, of a whole person functioning as one. So he's supposed to learn. He never done it before. Then he, then he, God brings in the animals to name. He names animals. Why am I listening to that? Because it was faith in God that governed everything he was supposed to do. And then he learned. He'd go, you know, like probably the, the first few, that's, oh, it's awesome. That's an elephant. It's awesome. Look at that Dumbo ears, you know. Look at that duck. That's a cute thing. And then he knew there was a devil when he saw a cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we knew. You want to know how we figured out what? <laughs> Some of you like that. Others, you just need deliverance after that. So just joking. <laughs> what I'm saying is he learned by hearing, by doing, and by acting. Fundamentals is what he received, but he had to actually begin to act and trust that he could do these things. And in it, he put God on display. What are, what are the things by faith that you've never done that God is asking you to do? If you're just doing stuff that you can do and you're, you, know, you can figure it out, I want to suggest you there's probably an invitation to come closer or there's a missed turn somewhere. I find that the things that God asked me to do Always, not, not I should say always, but a large percentage of the time, they bring healing to my heart. Meaning this, like, you can do it. No, I don't think so. What's he doing? In the process of walking with him, he's delivering me of areas of my heart that still need upgrades, that are still traumatized, still thinking in a poverty way. He's saying, you can do this. You can't do it on your own, but you can do it with me. You see this with, with, with God was trying to do it. I don't think he fully got there with Moses. That's another thing. Don't base your life on other people. Moses, right? You, if you play that prophetic word, a lot of people, I'll take that word for me. But think about what God's trying to do. God goes. God says to Moses, he goes, Moses, backside of the desert. I'm the God who hears, and I'm the God who's heard the cries of my people. Notice his purpose was in the context of serving people. So ministry is about serving people. I know I've taken a while here, but I'm not trying to waste your time today. I'm trying to help you by doing what God's asked me to do. Think about that word he gets. It's like, play that one. Put it on Elijah's list. Like, who doesn't want that word? You're going to be awesome. You're going to be famous. You got to be a prophet. But what happens? It's actually not a bad thing. He goes, who am I? I believe all his trauma comes to the surface. 
all his insecurities come to the surface. So in the process of walking with God, in the process, Cassie, of worship leading, he's delivering us of unroyalty thinking, trauma. And if you're stuck somewhere, could mean you got some creepy crawlers that need to go. Could mean you got some generational things to go. No shame, no blame in that. I've had it. Still, got, you know, still working through. I don't think I say this much, but I go once a year for counseling. I, don't, I can tell you, I can tell you, Tim, as much as I know, I, I try and live what I preach, but I'm still a work in progress. I don't have any creepy callers. I don't have any addictions, thank God. You know, I don't believe I disqualified myself to stand in front of people, but I'm still a work in progress. Amen. Come on. But I don't, I don't wake up every day trying to figure out what's wrong with me, but I do pray this prayer. Lord, today, I present myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. And now I ask that you lead and guide me into all truth. So, what, Dr. John, well, you don't know, you don't know. Here's the thing, too. You can use the things of God to stay stuck. I'm fine. I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. I'm the chosen of the Lord. You know, you got it all down. Yet you're in pain. You know you're stuck. If you, listen to me, Linda. One of the ways you can identify this is if you keep seeing cycles in your life. Cycles where you go in that and then cycles. Usually means there's something deeper going on. And often the challenge is we want to focus on the outward, when we need to get to the belief of what's yes. keeping us stuck in that yes. place. Yes. I say, Lord, anything I don't know that I need to know, let me know. Yeah. I remember one time, years ago, I was praying, Lord, it's like my first or second year in ministry. Lord, give me a grace to change nations. I want to raise the dead, kill the sick, be awesome, you know. Still pray like that, but a little different context now. And he goes, why is it that you're trying to prove to your father you can be a success in ministry? Ooh. It's good. Ooh, good. See, the motive was right. Who, you should want to do well in everything you do. Wrong motive. Somewhere in my heart was like that. Years ago, I was flying home, Tim. Well, no, I was flying actually to a close country. I'd just gone to a good friend's wedding. Actually, 10 years ago now. I know because he told me he's been married 10 years. And uh, I'm at JFK. It's like 4 a.m. And the gate agent or the, the ticket agent there checking in my bag, going on this to teach at a mission school. She was very rude to me. So she reaped what she sowed very quickly right back from my mouth. <laughs> it wasn't good though she's like why are you here I'm gonna, I just thought I'd come to the airport at 4am with a bag <laughs> thought you would be nice and see you so and I go I remember 
as I began to walk my gate, I said, something is going on here. So be able to recognize moments where God is introducing to ugly parts of yourself. Come on. It's not even, don't beat yourself up for it. Just realize he's answering that prayer. Or you could just say, that was really bad customer service and move on with your life. It's those little things, isn't it? Those little subtle things. Why? Because the goal is to be like Jesus. So I close with this here. Genesis 3, we won't fully get into it, but you'll see that one lie distorted Adam and Eve's body, the world, generations to come, and their relationship with God. One lie. One lie. I want to suggest you we've probably believed more than one lie when we were with the Lord and some lies when we have walked with the Lord. That's why I, I, I'm not trying to be funny when I started today. I'm using this to represent my, my Bible. This right here will help save your life. Yeah. Yes. Over man shall not live by bread. Because the, the more you engulf this thing, the more you begin to identify things. I read the book and I go, I need a lot of help. I need a lot of help. And that's not a woe is me. It's poor in spirit. What's poor in spirit? I realize I need God. I don't need him to preach. I need him for like to get out of the bed this morning. But one lie, one lie distorted everything. And there's one thing I want to point out that I pointed out, I think it was Thursday night at Oak Hill. It's very interesting. You don't ever read about Adam and Eve ever having issues between each other until they believed the lie. Now they got issues. They're believing a lie. Changes the lens by which they're viewing every one lie. And something interesting that really jumped out to me over the last week and a half, it's this. Adam says to, God goes, what have you done, Adam? What does he do? immediately blames her. Right. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's still an operation in the world today. Right. Victim thinking. Yep. Yes. Yep. So I'll close with this. You were created to be absolutely dependent upon God. Romans 11. In him, through him, and to him are all things. Meaning he's, Genesis 1, when God, he's supposed, he wants to be the source of everything. If you leave here today, no. You got a problem? He can help. I'm depressed. I can help. I'm in a bad spot. I'm in a bad relationship. I'm here to help. I got an addiction. I'm here to help. I keep doing the same thing over and over. I'm here to help. I need money. I'm here to help. Everything. So you cre- he actually created you to need him for stuff. But the other part is you're also self-governing. Yes, that's right. Meaning you have the power to choose. Mm-hmm. Right. 
to serve him. And the moment you got born again, you lost the right to be a victim to anything ever done to you. And there's a whole culture of victimhood, not only in our culture, but among the people of God. And some of it is really subtle. And sometimes we blame God for things he's made us responsible. Come on. A number of years ago, I was talking to this lady. goes, you don't understand. <laughs> the Lord told me to marry him. And now, you know, it wasn't going good. She didn't even realize it. She was blaming God. That happens a lot. I see people, they go for it. It doesn't quite turn out the way they think it was going to turn out in that area with God. And subtly, they're offended at God. Subtly, they're blaming God for their situation. I want you to live with this conviction that I live with. God can never miss it. Come on. Abner can miss a turn. Abner can get it wrong. Abner thought he was. And here's the thing. I've learned this. When you are trying to sincerely follow God, I believe God works with you. Now, you can miss it. You can miss a turn. I remember one time, so remember I was in this, this church in Laredo, Texas, actually a very large church, and I felt like the Lord told me to do something to service. I go, this is not going like I thought it would. He goes, you missed a turn. <laughs> oh, right, boss. Stay a learner. What am I supposed to learn from this? Because I know you can't miss it. I thought I was following. And he'll, he'll often show you. Oh, see, you started here. You started really well here. You were in faith. And then, and then oh, you got a little offended here. So this came in, and that's what took you off track, son. But you got to have the humility to course correct. It's a big deal. That's why he says, unless you're like a child. But here's the other thing is, unless you're hungry to actually let God identify some areas in your life, he might not show you. This is my last verse. Thank you for sticking with me. But I, I do want to say this. I, 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 I was struck with how Pastor Chad began today. And it was this, because I, I felt it in my heart. I felt God's absolute joy and love for what God is doing here. But I believe that there's a challenge to grow in maturity. Look at Matthew 11. It's part of your fault. You're hungry. Mark 11, 25, Jesus explained, Father, thank you for you are Lord, the supreme ruler of heaven and earth, and you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and think they are wise and unveiled instead of little children. What's he saying? He doesn't hide things because he's mean and cruel. He just doesn't reveal things to people who have no interest in knowing. Lord, thank you for your word. We love your word. We need your word. If you just received this word, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven, if you would. And as a sign of just reciting, this is what I felt the Lord wanted to do here before we closed. Thank you for being patient. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. 
and he will guide you into all truth. And he will make you aware of lies you believe. So I just want you to repeat this. Holy Spirit, I receive your word today. I'm a learner. So teach me your ways. If there's any place, any lie, any judgment, any unforgiveness that I have in my heart today, show me. I'm open. I want to be like you. So just take a moment. Some of you will just flash people's faces you haven't thought of in years. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shikamuhoshaya. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I would like you all to just stand to your feet. And if you would just lift your hands, just a sign of surrender. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and then I'm going to pray for you. Just repeat this prayer, and it's really important that you just open your mouth and verbalize it. Say, Father, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ, I come to you today today, and I ask for forgiveness. forgiveness. You don't need to repeat this, but in a moment, I'm just going to say, I'm going to lead you just, I repent of this lie and just say it out loud. You don't have to say it real loud, but just do, do let it come out of your mouth. It might be, repent of the lie of, Judging that person. Repent of the lie of not thinking myself or whatever it may be. Repent of the lie that I can't do something. Repent of the lie that I can't get ahead. Repent of the lie that I'll never do well. Just whatever that is. So in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ, I repent repent of the lie lie. and whatever that may be. Thank you, Lord. It's so beautiful. I just see this angel, Lord, just lifting off burdens and weights off people. Mm. Just receive freedom. I just repeat this. In the name of Jesus Christ, Christ, I now receive forgiveness. I thank you that the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I forgive those who contributed to this ungodly belief. I release anyone I have anything against knowingly or unknowingly. 
I release them to you. They owe me nothing. And I bless them to walk out their God-given destiny. Hallelujah. Whoa. Whoa. Just wait a moment. Jesus is in this room. The Lord is healing somebody's back. Hey, Shaba. Stomach issues are being healed. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Headaches are being healed. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands too. There's something in people's generational line that he's going to break today. Hey, Shaba, Yabokoya. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority God has given me, I just say that you're coming into right alignment with the will and the purpose of God. I sever you from any generational influences, hex, incantations, witchcraft, hey, masonry, that has ever tried to stop the purpose and the flow of God. I release you now in the name of Jesus, and I free you to walk holy in your generational line as never before. bring that down just a tad bit. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Now, if your hands lifted, I just want to pray for you, Father. I thank you for hungry people. I thank you for people who love you with all their heart. And now I bless you. I bless you. I bless you to become everything that God has created you to be. I bless you with the blessing that God gave to man as a free gift, the empowerment to prosper, the empowerment to be whole in every area. I bless you to walk in a place of fellowship you have not known. I say for some of you, a door in the spirit is open. I say that your mind is being cleared and free to think with the mind of Christ. And I declare God over this group of people that they are becoming like Jesus. They're becoming a governing people for this region. God, I declare that vision would stir the people of God in here, that they would hear and say yes when you call them to impossible things. I see this scroll from heaven and it's like these scrolls of the purposes of the Lord for this corporate people. And I just feel like there's an impregnation so taking place today for the people of God in this room. So if you say yes to that, just say yes. Yes. Maya hasikabuhoya. Can you give God thanks for that? Can you be seated for just a moment? I, I thought I was going to finish, but I'm going to do two things. 
I felt like this morning, the Lord told me that he wanted to supernaturally increase the people of God connected to this house in an uncommon way. I'm not just talking about today, but I'm saying today God wants to begin a supernatural work of increase. This group of people is supposed to have millions of dollars at their disposal for the purposes of God. They're supposed to be entrepreneurs here. They're supposed to be ideas and insights and wisdom that would cause favor like Joseph to come upon the people of God in this room. There should be no limits in the things that God has called you to do because you'll say, oh, the Lord will say, do this. And you'll say, well, that's millions. Of we got it in the bank. It's ready to be done. For the Lord says, I, as part of my covenant with my people, I've desired them to be a governing people for the purposes of God. And I desire you to be a people of increase and to grow in grace and purpose. I desire my people in this room to be free of any debts, anything that would hold them tied to this world system so that they would live above in the purposes of the Lord. is even unusual for me. But I just give you an opportunity to sow into what God's doing in our ministry. And I say this with the fear of the Lord. What, I, I'm just going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you to ask God what God has told you to do. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of the Lord, you can connect the seed that you sow today to an increase in a way you have not known. I'm not going to give you an amount. I'm, not, I'm just telling you there is increase. If you, know, if you think I'm trying to get money at it, it's not the deal. But I'm telling you, sow what God tells you to sow and keep sowing because there's such increase coming and there's a supernatural release on your giving today that's going to unlock you into a new place. And if you don't know me, I don't just say these things. And one day I'll stand before God. But I'm telling you, there's, hey, there's a supernatural grace of increase that the Lord wants to do today. And I know that there's an anointing for breakthrough in finances and increase on my life and my ministry. But I'm telling you, particularly today, do what the Lord tells you to do. If it's five, well, I don't care what it is. Just do what the Lord tells you to do. The second thing, I wasn't going to do this, but... After, after you give today, I want to lay hands on it. Hey, anyone who wants to lay hands on, there's a power. There's still a glory here that God's going to unlock that goes with that word. It's going to seal the word. I'm going to go quickly. Probably won't be a lot of time. I just want to lay hands on people. So Pastor Chad, can you just lead that and let people know how they can give in different ways? And then um, then after, your, after the offerings receive all... I just want you to come forward and we'll lay hands on everyone. Thank you, Pastor. And I want to, th I want to thank you, too, for being hungry and willing to listen.